How can your life change when you didn't know it could? And how can you have joy when you're feeling undeserving? Does God forgive the things you have done? Well, the answer to these questions and more are coming right up. My guest is Robin Dystra, a former Playboy Bunny, and she turned to God. He not only changed her life, but he changed her heart. So your story begins as a Playboy Bunny. It and does. It, and, and your story wasn't just about that. Nope. Tell me a little more about what happened. Well, my mom was one of those raging women's livers, and uh, I was she was a single mom and PhD, all about affirmative action and equal rights for women. And when I I did not inherit her love of all things academia. When I graduated from high school, I knew I had to do my perfunctory one year of college just to test drive it. But when I was done with that, I told her I didn't want to go back and I looked and looked for a job that would um, give me an income, but I didn't know how to do anything. Mm. But then I came across this ad for Playboy Bunnies and it said, no experience necessary. And I thought that is perfect because I don't know how to do anything. And I thought I'm cute as a button. So I, I think I'm made for this job. And I went interviewed and got it. And the deal was I was only going to be there for a summer and then reluctantly go back to college. But oof, I was really, really good at being walking pornography. And I stayed for a really long time. I was there for four years and I did all the things, you know, I did all, you, you don't have to, I, I, I won't, I'll let you use your imagination, but you know, I was in the magazine and I did the drugs and I did the alcohol and I did the men and I did all the stuff. And I, I can tell you looking back that I was just trying so hard to feel as good on the inside as I looked on the outside and nothing worked. I mean, you'd get this little fix that would stay you for a bit, but then it just, you know, it would just evaporate and the shame would come. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things I did while I was at Playboy was I married a, a scary, a scary person. Uh, he was an ex-con for whom seven years in uh, a state penitentiary had not completely rehabilitated. And when he and I got married, I thought that maybe this would be the answer, that marriage would fulfill me and bring me that joy and that satisfaction and that purpose that I had been longing for. But my smart, my smart mouth ran into his short temper and he started to hit me. And I had to run for my life. I I went back home to my mama's sanctuary and I tried to start over, but that's when all the shame really fell on me. The, um, you know, you don't have to be an ex-Playboy bunny to have a season of your life where you regret, where you think, oh, how could I have been so stupid? How did I get schnookered into that? What made me think that was a good idea? Oh, I wish I had not made that choice. And I, I, 
I just, again, went right back to all those things that I was, I used to feel, to give me temporary fixes. And I started dating a Christian boy and he, he took one look at me and he saw some potential in me that nobody else saw. And he treated me so well, you know, he didn't, he, he looked me in the eyeballs instead of looking me over when we talked and he, he was just so chivalrous and so respectful. I just wanted to spend more time with him. Well, he date evangelized me. I do not recommend that. I do not try to suggest trying to convert somebody so that they will um, say yes to Jesus. But in our case, he, he was um, persuasive and he took me to church and he uh, he helped me see that my life was missing something significant, what his, how his life worked was through Jesus. And, and so at a Christmas cantata or a Christmas program, whatever you would want to call it, uh, I, I heard an invitation to say yes to Jesus. And I said, yes, but I only said yes to Jesus as savior. I really just wanted a bodyguard. I didn't know that you didn't have to wait. Um, see, I thought that you had to wait to die to get the good stuff, the eternal life, the, the joy, the, you know, the, the fullness of what God offers you. I didn't know that you could have that right now as we walk around the earth. And so I treated God like a bodyguard, you know, just kind of, stay in the background unless you see something coming to kill me and then absolutely jump in and save my life. And it wasn't until I had like seven years later had children and still was trying to figure out how to make my life work that I was so desperate that I went to church. I mean, for serious and for real. And I signed up for a Bible study and I'm telling you, Nancy, I walked into this Bible study room and there were probably seven or eight ladies. Some of them were raising teenagers, but most of them were older. And they took one look at me and gasped like, oh, she's with us. Like, what do, ooh, what do we do with her? I didn't look like them. I didn't talk like them. I didn't were judging smell you. like them. Yeah, they didn't. You. It would be easy to say, Judge, I think they were just so surprised and I was so different from them that they didn't know what to do with me. And they looked at me and they looked at each other and they looked back at me and they smiled and they welcomed me ah. and they took me on like a project and okay. never made me feel like one. They did all the right things. Okay. So one of the things that they did was they told me how much God loves me. And I don't know how long you've been in church, but for a girl like me who had been desperate to find fullness of love, um, like satisfying love and a purpose for her life and acceptance for who, who she was, when I was told that there's a God in heaven who loved me so much that he sent his son to die in my place and that when he was put in the grave after three days and the grave couldn't hold him and he came busting out of that grave, but he left my sins behind in hell where they belong. I'm telling you, when, when I heard for the first time with ears that were open to hear 
that someone would die for me, it was so compelling that I had to surrender, not just say yes as savior, but say yes to lordship, say yes to lead me, say yes to everything that you have for me. Because when you are loved so fully, when you understand that, I guess you could call unconditional love, the stuff that you've tried to fill your heart with has no hold anymore. I mean, it just, why would I do drugs? Why would I, why would I, why would I do all those other things when I can get fulfillment that satisfies my soul by being loved so well by this heavenly father who sent his son, Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit came to live in me. Oh my goodness. You know, when you say yes to Jesus, he says he'll, he'll plant his Holy Spirit in your heart. And that's a promise for eternal things, but it also, you know, the Holy Spirit's job is to guide and lead and correct and, and, and tell you all the things that Jesus would have told you had he been walking with you. And it was like one thing after another just started occurring to me, you know, stop drinking, stop smoking, quit flirting with men you're not married to, wear a skirt that's not so short. I mean, just be nice to people, be grateful. And my life changed so dramatically that this, um, this floodgate of joy just bubbled up in me and it displaced all the self-hatred and the, the, the comparisons and the shame. It just, oh, you know, it just really overcame a lot of that. But then the, the ladies in my Bible study, they said, now God loves you just the way you are. You don't have to change. You don't have to do anything. He will love you just the way you are. He made you. He knows all about you. You're not hiding anything from him. She said, but the enemy of your soul will try to use your past against you. So what we need to do is walk you through how to receive God's forgiveness and forgive yourself so that when those voices from the past start to plague you, try to take over, try to make you feel like you're not enough so that you, you step back, you shrink back instead of standing firm and pressing in like, a, uh, like an overcomer, a conqueror, you'll know what to do. And I'm telling you, Nancy, it was, it was life changing. And this is what they told me to do. So first they took me to first John one, nine. If you confess your sins, um, God is faithful and he will forgive you of all your sins, purify you of all unrighteousness. And at first I said, what does that confess mean? Because I was pretty new to church. I, what does that confess thing mean? That sounded, you know, um, it sounded like religious jargon to me. And she said, well, I need you to tell me all the things that you can remember that you have done that you feel were a mistake or that were shameful or that were wrong or that you know you shouldn't have done. And I want you to say them out loud. And I said, all of them? Like, all of them? And this uh, sweet woman, she took my hands in her hands and she said, I want you to get rid of the things that hold you back 
from all that God has for you. So I just started gushing and she cried and I cried and I'm sure she had never heard vile things like that. And uh, she hung right in there with me. And then when I was all done talking, she said, now, how do you feel about those things that you've just said? And I said, awful, but I mean, I, I feel good that they're out. And she said, would you ever want to do those things again? And I said, mm -mm, I do not. She said, that's because when your mouth, when your ears hear what your mouth says, your heart breaks and you won't want to say those, you won't want to do those things again because you know how hard it is for your heart to hurt. And that's how God feels about the things that he has this wonderful plan for you but he gives us free will and we make mistakes, but he gives this course correction. So then she says, now that you've confessed your sin, I want you to say, Jesus, I receive my forgiveness. And it just, it was just like, I opened my hands and I said, Lord, forgive me for and I said all those things, Lord, forgive me for all those things. And she said, that's good. I want you to believe that Jesus has forgiven you for all your sins. That's why he died on the cross. And then she said, but the, but the real redemption comes when you can forgive yourself and believe that Jesus paid this. And you don't have to um, you don't have to pay back what was already paid for you. You don't have to make it right or do penance or, um, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to pay back what was already paid for you. And Nancy, the hardest thing I've ever done was look in a mirror and tell my reflection, I forgive myself for blah, 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 blah. But when I did that, I was finally free of the baggage. I was finally free of the damage that I had done to myself. And while I will say that some things um, have consequences that are long lasting, you know, like if you get pregnant in a season of foolishness, like for me, it was promiscuity. But for other women, it's an addiction or an arrest or an abortion or an affair. You know, you, you can receive that forgiveness from God and you can forgive yourself, but that doesn't mean um, that the consequences of those sin won't have some lingering effects. But the beauty of God is, this, is that in his sovereignty, he doesn't micromanage us, but he can redeem all the messes that we make. This is what makes him God, that he can use even those hard things, those foolish things, those awful things that we have done to transform, uh, not to embolden us to face bigger battles and temptations and know the outcome is how that could go. But it also, when we share our stories about victory, over the things that the enemy tried to use to kill us, steal our joy, destroy our relationships. When, when we share those stories, it emboldens other believers 
to share their stories and believe that they can overcome too. I mean, you just, um, you think about the story of David and Goliath for a quick second and there's this kid and this giant and they're supposed to battle and it doesn't look good. I mean, it doesn't look good, but David has the courage to face Goliath because he's already conquered a lion and a bear. So he knows that God has been with him in previous battles. It gives him courage to face the future battles. And then when he does slay Goliath, the whole army of Israel is emboldened to face the rest of the Philistine army. And um, I, I just think that that's, that's how God works in our lives as well, that we remember the things that God has done in our past. It emboldens us to face the future courageously. But when we share those stories, it also fortifies the faith of others as it glorifies God's. I mean, God, it's just a win, win, win. But the bottom line is that the freedom comes when we say yes to Jesus, not just as Savior, but as King, and then receive that forgiveness that he intended for us to have all the time so that we can have the freedom to walk forward without the shame. And then share those stories so that other people can find hope in our stories for them to conquer their spiritual giants as well. So <laughs> in your book, uh, The Widow War Pig, mm -hmm. a true story of life after loss and transforming power of a loving God. Yeah. Let's talk about why you wore pink to your husband's funeral. <laughs> Yeah, well, I um, I was married to Jay about, that was the my sweet boyfriend who date evangelized me. We were married about 14 years. We had two children. We waited just a little bit to have kids. We had um, a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. And when he was 39, he had a heart attack that was fatal. Just like in an instant, he was gone. And... Um, when I buried him, I just thought, I, I just didn't know how I would go on. You know, when two become one and half of you dies, how does the other half survive? And, and I, I will tell you, the Holy Spirit came in power. I don't know. You probably experienced that peace that surpasses all understanding. Yes. And that's exactly what happened to me. But beyond that peace that God gave me, he gifted me in his, through his Holy Spirit. He surrounded me with his body of Christ. I mean, women who loved me and brought me chicken salad and took my kids on play dates and celebrated my birthday and, and prayed and prayed and prayed for me. And, and, and so I made it. But it was so hard. It was just so hard. But then I, I, I felt like I made it. I mean, we got through that year and I was starting to feel pretty good. And I actually told the Lord, you know, I worked so hard to learn how to be a good wife. I think it's an awful waste of raw talent to leave me single. <laughs> and so I got married again, but we were married about two years and Craig took a routine flight. He, we had a, he was a pilot. And so we had a little airplane and he took our plane on a routine flight and somewhere on that routine flight, he made a big mistake, crashed and was killed on impact. 
so I buried two husbands in four years. Like what in the heck? And this is, um, I think it's worth noting that this is why the forgiveness component is so important to understand because mm -hmm. there were people who said, well, you know, your chickens have come home to roost, girl. That's what you get for being a Playboy bunny. And that's what you get for the life that you led. And I said, no, that is a lie. Mm -hmm. I do not have to pay back what was already paid in full for me. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, um, Craig, uh, Jay, he smoked two packs of cigarettes a day. His free will choice to smoke caused a heart attack that left me a widow. Mm -hmm. His free will spilled on me in a really unfortunate way. And Craig, he knew better, but he tried to fly an airplane through a thunderstorm that he he should never have tried. He made a mistake and his free will choice spilled on me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So when I buried Craig, I knew what was coming. The second time around, I knew I was going to have to stand in a room with hundreds of people in line to give me their condolences. But really what happens is they they come wanting to give you well wishes, but they do not understand why this thing happened. Mm -hmm. And so they asked me, God, why, why would Robin, why would God do this? Robin, why would you bury two husbands in four years? Robin, what happened here? And I don't have answers for them, except that there are things that I hate but there's a God that I can trust. Mm -hmm. And um, so I knew what was coming. I knew I was going to have to console and comfort a lot of other people in the midst of my grief. I knew that it was going to be hard. And so I thought, I am going to wear a pink dress to Craig's funeral because I want people to understand that there are going to be things out of our control that are not out of God's control. And we're going to stand firm in the truth that he loves us and he is for us and he is with us. And we may not understand it. Like Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Oh my gosh, I did not get it. I didn't understand it. But we can stand firm in the truth of what God says in his word. And just wearing a pink dress <laughs> set a tone that was positive rather than um, mournful. And it gave people hope and it set the tones for conversations. So that's why I wore pink to the funeral. <laughs> I, I love that story. And, you know, I, just to address some of the things that I'm sure the audience is thinking or maybe they're feeling, um, they may be carrying around a lot of guilt and shame. And um, I know in your ministry, um, you, you and your husband, you go around and you, you teach people, you know, these, these, how to have joy in God and how to forgive what you have, what the things that you've done. And you've basically touched upon that through this whole interview. Um, can you leave us with something that, um, you know, can help somebody today overcome this and, and forgive themselves for what they've yeah. done. Not just, not that we look for Jesus to forgive us, but that we forgive ourselves too and, and, and get past that. Yeah. When you have trouble forgiving yourself for something that you've done, what helps me 
is to picture Jesus on the cross. And he's bloody and he's bruised and he's, he's just a hot mess. And I do not have the audacity to stand in front of my dying savior and say, that wasn't enough for what I did. What you did on that cross, that suffering that you endured, mm, that just, you know, I, I, I need to, I need more than your life to pay for what I did. And it just helps set me straight that I, I need to believe that Jesus died for all the things, the things that I can, I can uh, forgive myself for and the atrocities that I know were so big, but I, I know better than to stand in front of him and say that sacrifice that you made separating yourself from God taking on my sin yeah it wasn't enough I, I just can't do it I just and if if you could just picture yourself standing in front of Jesus saying that sacrifice that wasn't enough that that should set things in perspective for you it's a little like standing in front of God Almighty and saying, listen, listen, I just need you to get off the throne for a minute because you are not a good enough judge to tell me whether or not I am forgiven. Your plan just, it doesn't work for me. So if you would just get off the throne, I will sit up there and I will decide. I mean, you would never do that, right? It would be, that would be crazy. So if you can, if you, uh, what helps me is to realize that if I believe that there is a God in heaven and I believe that his plan to save the world was through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, then I have to believe that that is good for me as well. And I hope that helps you. Thank you for watching the call. We hope you learn more about Jesus through this video. You can have a relationship with Jesus. Just invite him into your life repent of sins, ask for forgiveness, and make Jesus your Lord and Savior. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you. Thank you for watching The Call with Nancy Sabato, where we are leading you to Christ through stories and teachings.